<laughs> okay. okay. Andrew is now recording on all devices. Great. I am drunk. <laughs> because my favorite bartender of all time, David Dave Gears, friend of Jake and Sarah. Okay. Weirdly enough. Okay. Like longtime friend? Longtime friend. Oh. Because Dave's dad had like a vintage saxophone business in Cleveland. Of course. Okay. Yep. This tracks. Facebook brought it all together, but Dave was back in Athens. Dave was a was a bartender at Devil's Kettle when we started going, and then he moved to Indianapolis, and he was back, and I spent all day drinking with Dave. I am drunk. <laughs> so I can't wait to see what this podcast is and what I the next one is. That just determined that Andrew is going first. I am going okay. for this is this is what this is. <laughs> We're going to let Rob sober a little bit before I start asking questions. No. <laughs> <laughs> seems seems antithetical to the, the operation here. I actually think Andrew your questions are very suited to drunk Rob. Oh. Yay! Oh, actually no, that filtered answers. I love it. I am ready. I've got my cheese have and salami <laughs> and my popcorn. I'm ready to go. Oh my god! Oh, you know, I, I will try not to chew into the microphone. Oh, it, it'll only are, be it'll, it'll only be delightful. I think am, am I? I think I might be editing this one, so that'll be delightful for me. You can you can edit the Jamie one. Just put a noise gate on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, so I had I was tasked with having three questions for y'all, right? I was the I was the final, the final of our little triptych question final, extravaganza. Final composing things. Brain cell. Do 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 do. Do 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 you know Sorry. what's funny, Andrew? I you told me the three questions. Like I you did. told me two of them a couple of hours ago. You told me all three of them like an hour ago. I have thought of none of my answers. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so we have unfiltered Rob and unthoughtful Jamie. I'm ready to be unfiltered. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, okay. My questions have to do with um, ideals and. Mm. Things that we don't necessarily like. Okay, so here, here, here we go. And, and in, in some, is, yeah. is this? Hang on, hang on. Is this a <laughs> judging episode? Uh, it is. It, it is judging not of others. It is judging of ourselves. Oh. It's, it's acknowledging okay. our. Um, <laughs> it's acknowledging. That shifted. <laughs> I know. I know. It is. It is acknowledging our um, our own kind of aesthetics in terms of what we write. Okay. But related to our pieces, and so my, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stalling a little bit to figure out if this is exactly the order that I want to ask them in. And you know what? Yes, this is the order. Okay. Uh, so, in an ideal universe, what is your ideal piece or or genre of music, whatever, to compose in? In an ideal world, if you had, if you had run of the total control like what is your ideal ensemble to compose like all of the money has been paid you don't have to ever worry about bills you uh, are going to get performances of this thing that yeah. you've written like all of those ideals are just falling into place yeah so so what so what's your what's the medium of choice for you as a composer um i have two that who's Go surprised Who's surprised? <laughs> no one's going to be surprised by my answer, so let's go with let's go with Ross first. My first and knee-jerk answer is instrument and electronics. That's fair. Which makes sense. Yep, it would. That's what I do. I feel like as a composer, I am I have one foot in the electronic world, one foot in the acoustic world. So, you know, electroacoustics is where I reside most of the time. But 
Uh, second answer, I think, is orchestra. You're going to have to unpack I, that because the, the sub thing of this is why, right? <laughs> because, okay, so when I when I wrote, um, uh, so I, I wrote this uh, low brass trio uh, for faculty members at OU called Sounding Field. And then Andy Traxel came to me and was like, hey, I want to feature a bunch of faculty on the OMEA concert. Can you do something that features a lot of faculty? And I was like, well, I've got this low brass trio. Could I turn that into a band piece? And he was like, sure, that sounds great. And at the first rehearsal of this, uh, the tuba player, Jason Smith, um, faculty at OU, after the rehearsal is done, and it's like for uh, trombone, bass trombone, tuba, and wind symphony. He turns to me and he's like, wow, you're like, you're like a good orchestrator. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that from, from an electronic guy. And I was like, maybe it's because I'm an electronic guy that I'm yeah. a good orchestrator. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. in terms of the manipulation of sound, yeah, right? I, I think most people make the assumption of, of good orchestration as just people that have written for orchestra a lot uh, because you would have the, the experience of having done a lot and gotten the idiosyncrasies of the ensemble and the ins and outs of different, the, the flavor of different types of colors. But in terms of novel, like, like sounding textures, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's that electronic component is significant. Yeah. Having that, having that understanding of just purely sound mm -hmm. and what the, what the instruments are going to do when they're in this range with, this effect or this mute in or what, you know, whatever. I mean, that's just like writing electronic music is just orchestration. It really is. So I feel like those are the two worlds where I'm like, you know, instrument and electronics, because at that point you're basically writing a concerto. Right. You know, for instrument and your electronic orchestra and then just straight up, orchestra like the the few times i've been able to write for orchestra or large ensemble i've really enjoyed myself you know and i wish that there were uh more opportunities uh to do that on a regular basis i mean the orchestra and the you know large ensembles being what they are opportunities come you know a little bit fewer and farther between but when they happen it's like yeah i'm gonna seize on that once in a blue moon or some kind of celestial event Ooh, celestial event i like that <laughs> jamie oh. opera opera all day yeah i guess no one's surprised no <laughs> no maybe, i don't know I... maybe i i mean Orchestra, yes, that is one of the places that I want to go next, and that is one of the places I want to try and work pretty regularly. I have a plan in place, even, and it's partially because they pay really well. But operas are hard to get performed. If I had all of the resources I wanted, I would be a better human being and the next Wagner. Hmm. I would build an opera house. I would hire a bunch Minus of musicians. Minus the anti-Semitism. That's why I, I'm, I'm a hope. better human being. I'm, I'm replacing, I'm re, I'm just going to You're going to re-human Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But um, they're just so hard to get performed. I'm like, sorry, Aho passing a couple of weeks ago just hits home again that, like, she's the only female composer that's been performed by the Met in, like, a hundred years. And they were mourning her passing. I was like, she's got three operas. You performed, like, what? One of them? L'Amour de la One. You, you could have you done something else, people. Um... So yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason I've been working a lot of micro opera. There's a reason I'm waiting until 40 to write my first full length opera. It's because like these these opportunities are so far apart. But if I want to sit down and write something and be motivated every single day, 
it is nothing short of, like, the art form that includes everything in a bag of cats, literally sometimes. You know, like, it's, it's, it has ballet, it has chorus, it has soloists, it has orchestra, it has the entire pit of percussion that we had for Boule de Suif. It has Could have design. electronics. It can have it can, electronics. Right? It literally just, it's like capitalism. It becomes whatever it competes with or whatever. <laughs> I think I think the thing you're looking it for consumes. is like it consumes it consumes or, yeah, whatever, whatever tries to destroy it. it. Yes, yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. Opera is like capitalism. And it's, it's, it's more than consuming. It's it's the repurposing, right? It mm-hmm. capitalizes on the things that try to destroy it. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, opera opera continues to die, right? It, like, like everybody, oh, the death of opera. Yeah, it's been dying since seven uh, since sixteen oh two. Like, boy, if all of us could die that long. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know if I feel the same way. Um, uh, oh, yeah. is that a is that a is that a thing from my? Uh, we got to tell the story now because uh, my my grandparents are. Um, they're in their 90s, right? They're in their 90s. And my grandfather and I, we share the same birth date. Um, uh, yeah. So we, we, are, we are the same sign. Woo. How many, um, how many years apart? Uh, well, he was born in 1928, and I was not. I was born in 1984. That's, those are different years. Those are, those are, <laughs> those are different years. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, that would be... F- <laughs> Oh, this 56? is Drunk Rob doing math. This is hilarious. This is, is that so right? Good. Oh, Drunk Rob doing math. Fifty six. So fun. I was right. 56. Drunk Rob can do math. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there there is a fifty six year age difference, but we we share the same birth date, and um, he celebrated his birthday this year, and as he's like preparing to get out of bed, and my grandmother wishes him, you know. Another 90 some odd years. Uh, my grandfather just looked at her and said, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Are we enemies right now? Is that why you're wishing this on me? I can even, I can picture it. The way he speaks to her sometimes is very, very distinct. Like, Rose, Rose, no, no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> don't do that. Um, so, Andrew, what would your... Uh... Uh, ideal ensemble or or medium be so so really the genre doesn't necessarily matter i find <laughs> i find that i love writing multimedia work so so like dramatic or or opera or dance thing like like stuff that's just it's more than just music um i i find that i i really i really love those projects i don't get a chance to do them very often for reasons some of which we've already mentioned in terms of just logistics or funding or you know time it's a lot to manage um but i do have a sweet spot in terms of ensemble size which might surprise no one on this podcast it's miniature it's my my sweet spot resides somewhere between three and twelve players. Yeah, Let, like three players, I'm like, yeah, I can do something with that, I guess. Uh, if it's more than twelve players, now we're getting into the realm of, well, is this a, is this a large chamber ensemble or is this a small large ensemble? And I love, I love the chamber communication aspect of things. I think that's what's called medium. <laughs> A small, large, or a large, small—that's medium. That's a, that's a medium. We don't. I don't supersize things. Let's put it this way. <laughs> <laughs> is that now a dated restor- uh, reference? Oh, probably. Do, does that probably. is that even a thing? I don't think you're allowed to supersize anything anymore. I, I think don't think pro- after that after documentary, documentary, which is like at least ten years old at this point. <laughs> oh, maybe more. Probably. <laughs> so we only hey. had God, a uh, a device in front of us that had all the answers. Oh, oh, oh! Magic. Two thousand four. It's twenty four years, or it's twenty years old. Oh God! Super Size Me was two thousand and four. <laughs> so here's the thing: some of our students that we're teaching right now, super sizing went out of the lexicon. Before they were born. Wow. I don't know if I can continue to host this podcast. 
Because <laughs> it pretty much stopped when that thing came out, didn't it? I mean, I feel oh, like I, don't know. I, well, I feel like I don't know if it was an immediate thing, but I'm pretty sure, like I think it was. It 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 was not long after. Um, hmm. So yeah, my again, it's not necessarily genre specific, but it is size. My my ideal ensemble is very much a chamber setting. It, if I do, um, if I do write orchestral music or band music, I tend to focus on chamber combinations. Um, so it's very rare that uh, that I'll I'll have I'll utilize all forces. Unless I feel like they're okay, there's a really big moment that has to happen. I need a big effect. It's primarily chamber conversation. Mm, yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, in March tw- 2004, McDonald's announced a plan to phase out the supersize option, citing needs to simplify the menu and to offer healthier food choices. So it was right. <laughs> Good for them. It right was almost immediate. <laughs> Oh my god! Wow. Because I, I wonder when Super Size Me came out. Like, was it in February? Um, my birthday month. Just tying it in. Just tying it in, folks. That's what I'm doing. All right. <laughs> uh, hmm. Let's see. I mean, it might not have been, but if if they. Got- <laughs> Come on. Okay. Oh, okay. Hang on. Um. The film was February 1 to March 2 of 2003. Uh, that's when he did it. Yeah. And uh, when did it come out? I was going to say, it... for some reason, February stuck in my head as like, I feel like he did it in February. Oh, you know what? The The release date was May 7, 2004. So McDonald's must have got, gotten out ahead of this. Well, I mean, they were contacted. There were, yeah. They were... Um, uh, they were contacted for like, do you want an interview? Do you want to say in this? Do you want to, um, yeah? Do you want to comment on this situation? And uh, yeah, <laughs> I imagine that that this was uh, very much trying to get out ahead of it. That's that's <laughs> that's very smart on their part. Yeah, Definitely. they they well, I mean, they eventually did the right thing. I mean, did you, you've seen it? Have you both seen it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, he like, he gets fucked up. If you don't want to die, you need to stop doing this. I yeah. I love how surprised even the even the medical professionals were. Like yeah. like they're all they're they're all anecdotally under the assumption you know doing this is probably not good, but uh, how it reacted you know and, and everybody is different. Granted, um, uh, but how it reacted with his system and and the the duration the the the, the the speed at which that happened and the change took place and, of course, the effects. Um, yeah, I, I love that some of the doctors were like, uh, this was worse than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I think that's um, that's kind of like me uh, composing large ensemble music. This was worse than... I'm just Dude, kidding. you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Disclaimer. <laughs> From adjective business offices. He doesn't mean it. <laughs> You got you got to get out ahead of it, Jamie. You got to get out ahead of it. Yeah, well. <laughs> wow, the budget for that film was sixty five thousand dollars, and it made twenty two point two million. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. Yep, <laughs> yep. Wow. It fit in that like okay, so so here's the the um, it's just jogged my memory from. It it's it had pretty shaky cinematography, right? A lot of this yeah. was like small car cameras and um and, and things like that. And it was before we really got used to really excellent quality documentaries like Chef's Table. There isn't a single moment of Chef's Table. I don't want to lick my television because it all looks so real, right? <laughs> but I have pandemic, something inappropriate to say. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> you're not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying pan- to say, Jamie? The pandemic <laughs> split the quality of TV that we are watching. And have you noticed that we've reverted back to like now phone quality is okay sometimes? Yeah. There's so much of it, which means that TikTok would not have been possible without the pandemic in some ways. It mm. wouldn't have taken off because we started accepting Zoom calls as part of like 
uh, TV broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so that was question number one. Okay. Yeah. And that led us on a, a whale of a tail. To supersize me and back again. <laughs> okay, so again, I think um, we go from our ideal from something that we might dread or loathe entirely. All right, so um, we had we had all of the ideals and and what that what what we would do with that. What piece or type of piece or genre is your least favorite to write in, and why? And I think. Rob, we may have some similar answers here, but I, I think I might know these oh. two. Okay. Um, brass quintet or solo instrument? Fifty percent of that I knew. Yeah. <laughs> solo instrument, you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like brass. Uh, from someone who wrote a low brass trio, and I women, know, yeah, right, right, I know, and it was it was a struggle for me, um, especially because, and I hate to admit this, I don't understand the French horn, I just don't. Okay, I, I mean, sometimes the French hornists don't understand the French horn. I think everyone's on the I same totally page. I totally believe that. <laughs> I understand what it does in the context of a large ensemble, but by itself, I will, I'm just mm. going to say it right now, on the record, I will never write for solo French horn. <laughs> Even if someone asks me, I, w I will say no. Because it is both a solo and French horn. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Two, two strikes. Two strikes. Um, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to start actively seeking adjective partners. <laughs> well, let's get all the French horn players as partners. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> no, but like I just... I. It, it's like... The French horn to me is almost like guitar. Mm. It is unbelievably flexible, but also unbelievably unwieldy at the same time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like it it can do it can do all of the things. Yeah. All it can of do the things, so much. But it fails to do most of the things. <laughs> unless you are an absolute virtuoso. Well, and here's the other thing. Like again, solo. Like as soon as you start increasing the number of horns that sound immediately changes totally like there is something like there is something different between a french horn solo and like eight horns and a Mahler symphony bells up that is oh, that yeah. is something different and i guess like you know that <laughs> i understand the trumpet i understand the trombone i understand the tuba <laughs> like I understand these instruments. These are simple the times. <laughs> these are the the French horn is a mystery to me when it comes Why? to a what? Why is it so different to you? Because it's a bass instrument masquerading as a treble instrument. No, it's not. <laughs> it is. I mean, and I mean, I think I think about the the whole design of the. I mean, it was a hunting horn. It's where mm -hmm. the like its its entire purpose too is not. I think that's the clip for the. It was a hunting horn. It was a hunting. Almost to Mickey. Hunting. Careful, we're about to get sued. <laughs> um, oh man, I don't, think, I don't think it was that close. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. Yeah, so so okay, and and you know it it of the of the brass instruments. Yeah, I could see that. So so is if you had okay. Now here's a question. Sorry, Jamie, I'm giving you time to think here. Um, Great. If if you had if you had two trumpets, two trombones, and tuba, you would write okay. for that quintet. That would be a brass quintet. I'm chewing that... popcorn right now, but yes, <laughs> I would write for that. <laughs> like tenor trombone and bass trombone. Fuck yeah. Mm. So so yeah, and well, and you know, then then it, then it becomes like a, a more homogenous ensemble, even then, because you have all Question. cylindrical instruments. If you did two two tenor trombones, bass trombone, two trumpets, right? That that would be a that would be no 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 no. I'm saying two two trumpets, tenor oh. trombone, bass trombone, gotcha. tuba. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. But, if, but that would be a thing you'd go for. Jamie. If yeah. The Cold. horn, if the horn were written in alto clef, would you be better? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It is if, the viola of the group. Oh. No, it's just like if it's written in treble clef, your brain tends to pull up. Where I don't I don't think of the horn as being a high instrument. Therefore, I don't have any problems with it because I'm like, yeah, I want low horn. Um, I also tend to to think of it in terms of where it sits in the bassoon range. Well, okay, this, but I'm a percussionist. I don't. I know, but think but that, I mean, like the things. point is, cello, horn, and bassoon have a lot of commonalities, and it is that we have a huge range, and people only like one part of our range. So I get one composer who has written nothing but umpas for me in the bottom fifth of my instrument. <laughs> cool. I get one person who's written nothing but G5 or C5 to G5. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have these other bozos who only write in that one range right around middle C that doesn't project worth a fuck. And I feel like horns end up and and cellos end up getting really... uh, Cellos less so because we've got so many great examples of their versatility. But horns and bassoons get pigeonholed by each composer into whatever that composer thinks we should be doing. Right. So, my point is, I'm going to force you to write an alto clef for all of your horn parts from now on, and you're going to have to turn it in like a homework assignment, (laughs) and you guys are frozen, and I'm still recording. Oh, no! Well, you're frozen, and we are not, but we still hear you. Hey! Hey! Um... So I did is, get my whole rant recorded. This, this <laughs> no actually, reactions. this actually doesn't. This is weird for me because a, uh, it's fun that that there's a percussionist, there's a bassoonist, there's a clarinetist on this this podcast, and it's fun because uh, Jamie, your bassoonist pitched in C. Um, Rob, you you play all the things. Percussion is the I'm world. I'm in C. I'm in C. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the transposing instrument here, You're and weird. so. And so being the weirdo whose who's brain, like, yeah, I, I, like, I'm, regardless of what instrument I'm playing in my family, I'm always reading treble clef, even if it's a contrabass instrument. But beyond that, my hat goes out and, and, and off, what's, whatever the expression is, my hat's off to all horn players <laughs> and their ability to transpose. Because of well. the transposing instruments... N- like none of their music is in the key they're playing it in. I-, I swear to God, absolutely none of their music, and not even in the key that their horn is pitched in. Like they will read, they will read parts. It's like, oh, this is for E flat horn. I'll play it on my F horn and transpose this way. Yeah, none I mean, of that you, makes you any. You have sense. to do stuff like that too, as a clarinetist. Not to the no. extent. Not anywhere near the extent. No, and I got cool no, clef tricks that I there play. Were so many horns. In, Different I mean, crooks, and, yeah. And, you know, Andrew, you're talking about this, like, like there's so many parts like this. They were all written, like, over 100 Hundreds years of ago. years ago, yeah. Over 100 years ago. Yes, they're all still performed. Yeah. You know, American orchestras could save horn players from this forever by just performing contemporary music. That's just a suggestion. Just, that's all. But, um, <laughs> but... If they want to do solved. things right, here's the answer, <laughs> right here. I don't know, I mean... They can continue to be wrong, but we have the answer right now. This is why we like unfiltered Rob. <laughs> my my other my other favorite thing about Blindly this agrees with Jamie. <laughs> is, is, wow, is That's when transposing. Right. Can I can I just just one quick thing? Sure, I'm just trying to be serious. <laughs> just one quick thing. So. <laughs> The, the whole blindly agrees with Jamie thing, it is, it is a symptom of what I developed uh, when uh, Steve, Bachicha, and I were going to school together. So this one time, <laughs> Steve and I... This could get bad. Steve, Steve and I were having lunch uh, with Derek Jenkins, another composer who's been on the podcast. And um, I forget what Derek was saying, but Derek was like, you know, I'm kind of getting to the point where I just feel like I got to do this. And Steve was like, no, you're not going to do that. And I wasn't even listening. And Steve just <laughs> turns to me and I was like, yeah, that's not for you. 
Like, <laughs> blind agreement. <laughs> I have no idea what he said. <laughs> but because Steve said something, I was also like, yeah, that's not for you. You shouldn't do that. Continue, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> I, I was going to say that as the as they are also transposing, they're actually doing things to their instrument that's also manipulating pitch, like stopped horn. When you stop the horn, that's actually, it's changing. Yeah. So, so when they do stopped horn, they're looking at stopped horn and they're transposing in their head to get those pitches, but stopped. And now do that when you're also not in the key you're looking at. Yes, also they, true. It's... Yeah, it's just even for a transposing instrument player, I am I'm like the French horn, it's got a lot going on. It's got a lot going on. They're the octopus of the orchestra. <laughs> I usually love culinary metaphors, but I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> and I'm gonna reciprocate and blindly agree. <laughs> um <laughs> Jamie Lee, now that you you've uh, blindly agreed here, what what is your less than ideal Genre or ensemble or whatever to write for. Okay. There's Type one that of I, piece, maybe. I want to write for, but I'm pretty sure I will be boring at. And then there's one I never want to write for, and I might be sad about that-ish. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's which, do it. Which one do you want first, A or B? Sad. <laughs> okay. I have no interest in writing for grade one, grade two, anything. Correct. Band now the other or one. orchestra. I'm a little sad about it, though, because we need more people, especially historically excluded people, composing for those. But it will just suck my soul out through my left nostril and stomp on it. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I had I watched a TikTok about the mummy earlier. It's just, you know, it's on the brain. Suck on my brain. soul <laughs> out through my left. <laughs> Blank. There's so many ways that that sentence could go. Uh, the other one is... Percussion ensemble. Boo! <laughs> I I do want to write one. I think I will be boring at it. I don't at think first. so. I do. I do. I just. Did you just say at first? Everybody's boring at shit at first. I know. But Jamie. Like, there used right. to be one of those ensembles where I was like, I got to get one of these into my portfolio. I have to before grad school or by this specific date. And then I eventually just gave up on it because nobody wants one from me. And that's going to be okay. Here's the thing you have going for you. And uh, it was... Um, I'm nervous. couple, maybe last... I don't know which number, which number this is, but either two episodes ago or one episode ago, we were talking about strengths and, and weaknesses uh, mm -hmm. within our own, like, uh, you know, what are we good at? What are we bad at? Here's what you would have going for you with a percussion ensemble. You know how to write gesture. Mm. And what is a percussion ensemble if not rhythm and gesture? So yeah. I don't necessarily think you would be boring at it. It's one of those things, now, though. That, like, now, I feel like I'm starting to get too old to learn how to do this. Like riding a bicycle, why? you have to do when you're young and stupid. I disagree. <laughs> And you're not going to fall down and break something after your percussion ensemble I might. <laughs> Who's your best friend, Jamie? Who might be able to help you in this? That means I'd okay. have to show you my music. <laughs> we also talked about that in the last episode, too. So good. Well, like, once you, once you understand the instrumentation and the, and the, and the technique, it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> you're just writing rhythm and contour. I feel like, like it's going to be one of those moments. Like you mentioned guitar. You mentioned guitar. When I first wrote for guitar, I was paralyzed by the thought. And eventually I was mm. just like, well, this is for voice, string quartet, and guitar. So I'm starting with everybody I know. And then we're going to pull the guitar into it. And it turned out okay. But with like percussion ensemble, there's not the opportunity. Throw a voice in there. There you go. Yeah, voice, marimba, and other shit. That'll get performed <laughs> one and a half times. <laughs> that's that's the that's the ensemble description. Voice, exactly. marimba, and other shit. Yes, I think percussionists would love it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, that's my answers. Those are my answers. All right, so if you're all if you're all doing two, I gotta do two now. I just gotta. Okay, we can't help it. I gotta. Well, and and the the Venn diagram is gonna be really interesting. I think. Um, 
Rob, you and I have have uh, not great affection for solos. For like solo with nothing Unilinear else. Solo, instrument. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mo- monophonic or mostly monophonic instrument with nothing else. Not that much a fan. Yeah, and this for me, so so I'm I'm with you about you know single instrument and electronics, be it live or fixed. Sure, yeah, yeah. electroacoustic. Let's go for it. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily strike my fancy in terms of ensemble size. I'd want at least one other thing, like like mm. two like two people and and electronics. I'm starting but to get like there. electronics are everything. I know. I it can know. be anything. Ah, I know. Okay. The other, the other part of that extends to another part of what I don't like to do as a composer specifically, and I'm, I don't love flashy, virtuosic stuff. And Me so neither. This extends to the concerto. I would, Jamie, like you, I would love to write a concerto. I feel like I would want to write a concerto, and I feel like my concerto would not be a concerto. I, it actually happened. My master's thesis was kind of supposed to be a double concerto, and it, that was not what it became. See, okay, I agree. Oh my I have god, no... I forgot about that piece. You're welcome. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I performed the premiere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I I have virtually no interest in writing a concerto for anyone because it's it's a. Uh, it's a power hierarchy that I am not interested in. Um, yeah. With one person superseding like 70. Hmm. Like, I just have no interest in that whatsoever. However, I get around that by instrument electronics. Electronics are a robot. Right. Okay. It's okay to yeah. supersede them. Right. You know? Well, and as we're talking about this, um, you know, one of my summer gigs in Fredonia is being a reviewer just for, you know, one of our our local papers, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, specifically for the Bach and Beyond Festival. I hear a lot of Baroque music in preparation for these reviews. Which you are currently doing right now. I mean, I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, uh, These these may be due as we're speaking. Um, uh, (laughs) The... um, I, and the nice thing is, you know, uh, uh, Maestro Grant Cooper and the International Baroque Soloists, they they pull out pieces that are beyond Bach, as the title would suggest, but obscure. Things oh. like, uh, you know, Fausch or Grappner or these composers that, you know, the muggles do not know. And many of the people who are not muggles, many, many music-y folks would not necessarily stumble upon these broke composers that are either predecessors, contemporaries, or successors of Bach. Um, uh, well, I guess no one would really be a successor of Bach. We're way into the Rococo by that point. But you get the idea. Um this this notion of the concerto grosso, this idea of there being a large ensemble and a small ensemble, like Rob, your trio, your low yeah. your low brass, that's three people. Okay, the do you do you think the di- the power dynamic is a little different in that kind of a, a situation? Totally, yeah, because it's it's a group versus a group. Yeah. I mean, it's a small group versus a larger group, but that small group can still produce a lot of sound. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so J- Jamie, thoughts on that that side of the – are you on the same side of the aisle here in Concerto Land? Or what, I don't what think are your... so. I don't know. I, um, and maybe it's because I've re-fallen in love with the Concerto. Uh, maybe we blame it's because... Fagerlund. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually what I was, I was getting to. Um, because, yeah, I've played – I was in orchestras for 10 years straight, and almost all of them had a concerto competition every year, which meant almost every February I was playing a concert of straight concertos. And if you think I'm annoyed by the one guy who only gives me oompas, oh my god, concerto accompaniment. (laughs) That bassoon line is so... Weak. Oh, I mean, like, that's where I got good at counting. Rests. I thought that was the uh, no, no, I like it, it wasn't the Rhenish Symphony of Schumann. You never rest. Never mind. The Rhenish I, Symphony, I, the the Rhenish Symphony, the bassoons rest for eleven measures total. Ask me how many measures were actually heard in <laughs> out of the ninety-seven percent of it we play. I really like your line delivery on that. That's where I got good at counting. 
Russ. <laughs> yeah. So but good. I mean, I, like, I really did fall out of love with the concerto by being in an orchestra where I wasn't the soloist. Now, if I ever got to be the soloist, I might have a different opinion because I am inherently egotistical. However, <laughs> Fagerlund did start, start to change that. And it, it's because contemporary concertos can be, not all of them are, but contemporary concertos can be so much more about the interplay of timbre between the individual soloist and the ensemble rather than here's fucking theme one in the bassoon and then here's theme one in the orchestra. That back and forth makes me sick. I hate concerto form. I don't fucking theme one. And yes. fucking theme too. My <laughs> students who studied um, uh, advanced structural analysis here, what we were doing, advanced sonata form or, or right. sonata form that moves into the 20th century, the, yeah. a lot of them would agree with you, Jamie. I think th their least favorite was the type five, the concerto form a la Mozart. Yeah. They, yeah. they did not appreciate the, the Mozartian kind of concerto. I don't know why the bassoon concerto ever gets played anymore. I saw a black bassoonist with a primarily black orchestra do the Mozart concerto very recently. And like, cool, like programming, whoever's programming decision that was okay. But I have questions. There are modern bassoon concertos that reflect, no. that reflect <laughs> the world we actually live no, in and, or Jamie, we could no. add something new to the repertoire. And I just want to know, no, I just want to know. Incorrect. Why Mozart? That piece is not entertaining. Well, because Mozart, Jamie. Mozart. That's that long silence is just <laughs> I'm being facetious right now. That's sarcasm. God damn it, Jamie. I wanted you all to think I had frozen. Because hell froze over over here. Uh, <laughs> because it's but, Mozart. But when you're talking about Concerto Grosso, I'm also thinking about like vocal quartet and orchestra would be really like mm. uh well we started getting into mid-20th century with Ligeti's Aventures and and those types of things are way more interesting to me and I don't really think of if I ever write a concerto it's not going to be theme one and theme one in the orchestra it's going to be how can we have a timbral interplay between soloist in parentheses and the ensemble and that is why I don't have an aversion to doing it is because I would never do it the way Mozart did it. I just wow. The the wah, other thing wah. the other thing that gets me with the with with not all obviously but many concertos is the 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 um I I just I don't love virtuosity for virtuosity's sake. Now there are yes. there I are, do. <laughs> no yeah, no I'm with are, you Andrew. There are passages that are virtuosic in in concertos that I love. But they are essential. They Structural. Yeah, they don't feel like, and this is the part where we get to hear how good the soloist is. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. no. Because <laughs> how good does that soloist feel walking off the stage being like, everybody in that lobby is going to tell me I'm a badass. Who cares? And therefore, therefore, therefore. That performer remains loyal to you for the rest of their lives because they love that you just made them look like a badass. It's important. Uh, okay, but uh, here, here's, here's my thing. Like, virtuosity for virtuosity's sake is masturbatory. That's all it is. It's like, oh, look at me playing all these notes and rhythms on my instrument really fast and really far apart. It's like, who the fuck cares? This is like why <laughs> metal guitar solos have never impressed me. My favorite guitar solo in the fucking world is Smashing Pumpkins guitar solo on the piece are uh, on the song Soma. You heard and it here. I first. had and I I've had arguments with people about this because they're like that solo is absolute garbage. I was like, no. It fits the song. <laughs> it goes to an emotional place which you need for the song. It's not like who cares? Yeah, we're keeping it's that in. It's masturbatory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
can sort I, of. Can sort I, can I, what, well, can I, uh, no, no, I'm going to, I'm on no. this again, on no, this no, podcast, I, I would like to remind us that there's a continuum here, a continuum of egos in this case. I feel like mine is the <laughs> smallest. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I'm okay with that too. And so yeah, it would make it would make sense. And and uh then Rob, you got a nice balanced approach to ego most of the time. <laughs> okay. All right. And then Jamie. I don't know if I agree that Rob is not right with me on the end of the spectrum. <laughs> is it is it Yeah, is it you're like, probably right about that. Are, are, you, are you like is, are, are you are you like, are you I'm like fine. Neptune I'm, and Pluto? Are you like changing? We, we manifest we manifest our egos in different ways, Andrew. <laughs> yes, yes, but I would disagree that he is any closer to you than me. <laughs> All right, I don't, okay, that's. I think you know that's fair. That's fair. I, but, I think there's a reason he and I call one another when we're like, "Oh God, compositional shitstorm." <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's not just the skill; it's the I need to live up to my own ego. <laughs> and you are going. You are the one to help me do it. <laughs> Because, Andrew, I feel like in most of those situations, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, we need someone to push like back. You you feel like it because it's happened Which is once why or twice, you called Rob. the wrong person that day. You called. <laughs> All right. Have we told this story already on the podcast? I don't know. I don't, I don't, think th- so. I don't know. Okay. So I get this phone call. I'm in the middle of a shit storm teaching at Interlochen. It is a busy, busy week. And I have no sympathy for anyone. Like, right? No I am one. I am handing out, I'm getting bullshit excuses from teenagers and I am handing out no after no after no and Rob calls. <laughs> and he's a little whiny <laughs> because he has too many opportunities. <laughs> I just finished that piece yesterday, by the way. I know, and hey, I'm so proud. Congratulations. I'm so proud. But he wanted to turn down a goddamn commission because he was too busy. And I said, Suck it up, cupcake. You called the wrong friend. <laughs> you can I know you can do it, Rob. You can just put 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 that much more on your plate because you can do it. And I was like, but Jamie, and she's like, dude. <laughs> If you, you wanted someone to say friend. no, call Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> when Suck I it up, cupcake. <laughs> when I don't want to call, or when I don't want to make dinner, all I say to Andrew is like, oh, I eat dinner's hard work. And he's like, let's DoorDash. It's literally <laughs> just like path of path. least resistance. Yes. <laughs> I am, I sound like the fucking worst. <laughs> You're not. You're not. Sometimes I really need you to say, "Oh, honey, you don't need to do a long run today." That Just sounds an tiring. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, hey. Rob. Next time, next time, you need somebody to let you off the hook, real gentle for something. It's not me. I rip the fish, the fish hook out through the corner of the mouth, okay? No. Just, just so we remember. <laughs> now, that to is be where fa- the phrase came from, people. To be fair. To be that fair. That is where the phrase came from. Um, to be fair, there is a spider dangling down the ceiling of my office. I don't know if you can see. You can. Yeah, we can see it. It's right here. It's literally inches from my face right now. Can you take care of that? Dude. little one. Dude, here, this literally happened to me on a podcast one time, <laughs> and it dangled, and we're not talking about any fucking little ass spider. We're talking about, bam, like as big as one of my lenses on my glasses fucking spider dangling from the ceiling, and it hit my face. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Luckily, okay. the, the guest was talking, not me. <laughs> because if if I had been talking, what the fuck? <laughs> Instead, yeah. the guest is watching you flail <laughs> uncontrollably. In silence. <laughs> um, so last year, no, two years ago, I think, mid-pandemic, we had a hornet problem. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh. So um, we uh-huh. had... In my office upstairs, which is now Andrew's office because hornets. Um, but because <laughs> Andrew can Andrew can say yes to the hornets. <laughs> I mean, we sealed up. Somebody had drilled a hole through the. We don't have um, drywall in that in our, our upstairs offices and stuff. Instead, it's just I don't I don't know what kind of board it is. But somebody had drilled a hole for the cable to come in, like TV cable. 
and didn't seal it back up well. And I had been oh. hearing buzzing in my wall for a little oh, while. And I was like, no. I think we're going to have a problem um, with this. And, and I'm a little worried about that not sealed up cable. Well, I'm in mid Zoom lesson because it was still in the middle of the pandemic. We are teaching classes simultaneously in different offices. And my students just hear me go (laughs) through the headphones. A full ass hornet came out of the wall. A full ass hornet came out of the wall. I threw my headphones, started screaming and flailing. And in the chat, I see the kids just like, hey, Professor Sampson just yeeted those headphones. (laughs) I'm like, at that point, didn't even know what it meant. (laughs) Just like, contextually, yes, that is what I did. Because full ass hornets are like, that 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 is a legit large insect. So... I'm screaming, he comes in, kills it. Can I, can, wait, wait, no. We need my perspective at this point because I am teaching, I am teaching written theory four <laughs> over Zoom. And I am in the middle talking about, so I am geeking out over some kind of set class theory, right? And I just hear my wife scream, bloody, bloody murder. murder. From across the In hallway. the middle of you saying zero one five guys, come right, on, right. You know my, you know my tricord. Um, so uh, I, I hear this, this and I, 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 ca- I calmly say to my students, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stop this lecture right now. I want you to think about. I just take that in. I'm gonna go across the hall because I think my wife needs something. <laughs> And so I, I muted myself, muted my video, went in there. I dispatched the hornet with extreme prejudice. <laughs> I came back and nice. I, I love that reference. Myself. <laughs> I don't tell me that was like 24 years old. It may be um, older. Way more than that. Way more than that. That's from Apocalypse Now, oh man. Oh my God. I'm just <laughs> That's pulling like the out 70s. all the stops, all the stops right now. Oh, um, shit. So I came back, unmuted myself, and I said, there was a bee. And there's another <laughs> reference for those of you who love um, Ever After. Yes. <laughs> to, to give you context, Apocalypse Now came out in 1979. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. So, so to yeah. come back to the story, though, there was a second uh, hornet in hornet? my office, like a week later while I was giving a guest lecture for a conference. <laughs> That was special. And I had it immediately, like, you know, you get, when you have an adrenaline rush and you get cold, I was freezing suddenly. And I was like, okay, I cannot scream. I need to excuse myself for just a moment, please. Boop. Turned off the camera and (laughs) muted and proceeded to scream bloody murder again until Andrew came. Ah! This morning, friends, this morning. Come downstairs, I grab a book, a cat, my tea, I'm sitting on the couch, and I hear a huge buzzing noise. Oh, my God. Remember in March when we had uh, issues with our house and it left a, a two and a half inch hole in the ceiling oh, near no. the front door? Well, Howard, our beloved handyman, forgot to Howard. come back and seal that hole. And Andrew has found a hornet in the house and didn't tell me about it. <laughs> and then today I was like, there's a wasp. And he comes downstairs. He's like, oh, no, you know, that's a hornet. <laughs> like, that's better. <laughs> and Prim, our tiny 10 pound cat, is fixing to eat this thing. Oh, she will defend the house. Like, she ate a house centipede last night, still grossed out about it, but um, she chased it into one of my shoes. I made Andrew get it out of my shoe. (laughs) I was was called to assess the situation. (laughs) I'm I'm like, between the water issues and the pest issues, I am so ready to move. (laughs) I'm really rethinking coming to visit you guys anytime soon. Just burn it down. (laughs) At this point, just burn it down. <laughs> I'm watching my favorite nonsensical blonde YouTube girly move into this fantastic, spectacular house, and I'm just like, everything is shiny there. I bet, I bet the insects wipe their own butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're keeping that in too. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> I bet the insects wipe their own butts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh 
Um, and all of was that there a came... question on this? No, all all of that came from our our pros and cons of the concerto. Yes. Um, there is a third. Like there question is a third, two C. There is a third question. There is a third question. Oh okay. boy, let's have it. Um, okay, so now we we've had the ideal, we've had the not so ideal. In the pieces that we have composed, what piece have you had the most fun writing? Now, I don't mean to make this a Sophie's choice, but you got to pick one of your kids right now, and I I mean that metaphorically, Rob. Like Violet and Sloan are wonderful. I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at my open. <laughs> open the catalog. Well, yeah. I mean, open like gut reaction. My gut reaction is 901 Rush. Oh, I right? okay. Wait, now you have to unpack it though. Why? That was why did the you have the most fun writing saxophone solo? Yeah, it's yeah. 30 yeah. seconds long. It's about an elevator ride where you're late to work. It's 9.01. You're always late to work and you're panicking and the elevator's stopping on every floor. And it just has like, it's a little programmatic with the like door dinging on every single fucking floor. But I, I not only did I have a lot of fun writing it, but I haven't, I haven't had a saxophone player that learned it that wasn't both challenged, annoyed and exhilarated after every performance. And so I, but that's still not just the like, question. No, no I, I mean, but I still answered. It is, it is one of the things I had the most fun writing, too, because the okay. challenge was it has to be exactly 30 seconds long. And how can I tell the briefest of stories? It's like the um, Hemingway short story. Or the, or the two-sentence horror stories. That, yeah, the two-sentence. It's, right. it's like one of those challenge pieces where, and I, I do this with other stuff too, like writing my bio and it has to be a hundred words. I don't see it as a successful bio unless it is 99 or 100 words. It has yeah. to be so close to the word limit, which means I get to get creative with it. And, and so the same thing happened with 901 Rush. Have I, have I had, maybe it's because it was short. I never got to the arduous part of writing it. Maybe because it's like a dollop of whipped cream by itself. You know, you just don't get to the frustrating shit. Aw, miniatures, heart. <laughs> that that was. If this was a visual medium, the audience would know that I said miniatures, heart, and Rob is hugging one of his daughters, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it, it's so it's so good. Oh, miniatures! What are you doing? Um, You're like rocking me right now. <laughs> All right, I I feel like this Careful, is really Violet, a fascinating a answer. <laughs> I feel like that's hilarious. I feel like that is a, a, a really fascinating answer from Jamie that your the thing you had the most fun composing is a miniature because that's actually not my answer. It's it's surprising. But Rob, you want to go first, or do you want me to answer mine? Because you're still you're scrolling through your voluminous catalog. I I think I know. I I think I know. See yeah. here here's the thing like. <clears throat> There are definitely pieces where I have had a profound experience. Oh, okay, yeah. Writing yeah. the piece. Like, it causes, like, listening. I, I'm, ha like, halfway through it or just, just finished or something like that. And I listen back to it. And I have a, like, profoundly emotional experience listening to it. But you said fun. I did. I did say fun. <laughs> So the profoundly emotional or like profound experiences in general, that would be Bloom. That would be The Gate, mm. uh, my string quartet and electronics piece that's like 30 plus minutes long. Like those are uh, Untangle My Tongue. Like those are those pieces where I'm like, I did something right now and I'm proud of it. Mm -hmm. You know, however... You said fun. I did say fun. So I think the one of the best times, and this is, I don't know, it, irony isn't exactly it, but it's, uh, you know, w whatever. I think Flora hmm. was the most fun <laughs> yeah. I ever had writing a piece because it was quick. It was all about instinct. It was not, it, it was nothing about like, oh, I've got to theory the shit out of this, or this has to be 
this has to be this, or this has, I, I need to make a statement with this. It was just like, it was all on instinct and it was quick. So very much kind of like Jamie's, it's like, I didn't get to the point where yeah. I started hating the piece <clears throat> because I had been in it for so long. It was just like, this is my gut reaction. I'm just going to throw it on the page and hope it works. And like, very much like Jamie's, it, it, it just did work. You know, so it was also like a hopeful piece for you because yeah. pandemic related, like yeah, it was, it was early it was, pandemic. It was the first opportunity that a lot of us had. Um, yeah, it was representing a new thing in the face of utter disaster. Mm. Um, hmm. Yeah, a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> also Stop. from the seventies. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jesus. So wow. Such wow. If we weren't getting Honestly, sued before. <laughs> you when you said a new hope, I almost because John Williams like just all fades together for me, I almost started singing Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd never let you live it down. Yeah. Um so this is I'm I'm tickled. I'm tickled because both of you have picked uh have picked these pieces that you either did really quickly or did quickly and also it's a it's like the shortest thing in your output uh <laughs> Jamie. Um um mine is dyslexical transformation. Mm-hmm. What now, what is that? Now, now that's the the woodwind quintet and soprano voice piece. Okay. Uh, that's now, as far as my pieces go, that, that clocks in at between 24 to 26 minutes. Damn. Have you not heard it? No. No shit. I Why would made, I have heard I, it? I haven't made that webpage live yet. Uh, oh, have we gotten the recording? There it is. <laughs> we have, we have a rehearsal recording, which is damn good. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, we, we do not have the performance recording, which was also damn good. Um, well, when was this written? <clears throat> this was coming into <laughs> this the pandemic. This was supposed to be premiered April 2020. Okay. And we, honestly, it was a good thing the pandemic shut everything down because we were both <laughs> so far behind. This was a, another tandem premiere of ours where yeah. I wrote for Woodwind okay. Quintet, he wrote for Woodwind Quintet plus Soprano, and this, these were both commissioned by Hillsdale College and they're the Woodwind Quintet there. And... <clears throat> yeah, we was, were was... writing with our tails on fire in early 2020 mm. to try and get those done, and then uh, everything. Well, draft drafts were out. Drafts we had were dra out. We had drafts out, um, yep. and they were they were looking at it, but you know they were like you know, let's just let no let's just call it. We're gonna we're gonna call it, and we're gonna revisit this from from beginning to end though, and and it was you know it was a lot of those external things. It was those external fires that you know that that pulled me away from creative time that that delayed a lot of that progress as as happens a lot with composers i mean let's be honest yeah um but every part of that process i had a blast doing <laughs> um and it was one of these things where i you know I, you know yeah some some of my things get stuck in my head and and whatnot but i had absolutely no problem in every composition session knowing exactly where i left off and exactly what I was going to do. Mm. And that's, uh, you know, I did nothing different. Like, I had, a, I had a plan in similar ways. Granted, it's a long piece, which is essentially a chain of miniatures. It's a theme and variation kind of, kind of structure. But that was damn fun to write. And so I'm just tickled by the fact that here you all with these, these short, faster generated pieces. And mine, as the miniaturist of the trio, uh, trio effect, uh, I, I like this thing that in my catalog is a little bit of a behemoth and took mm. a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when, okay. So when everything shut down, we did not end up finishing, finishing the pieces. So while we wrote most of them late 2019, early 2020, both of us ended up like really, truly putting a double bar on it in fall 2021. I want to say. I think oh. so. I'd have to look at my calendar and I or count good. I'll have to look at my catalog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, we should put <clears throat> double bar dates in our calendars. Just smack a sticker on that. Just me. Well, mm. I, I, I mean, I. You do I it on guess, Facebook. Well, kind of. Yeah. Or Insta. I, 
some of those but i also just like keep the note in my so uh, i always keep a, a a journal for every piece in my in my ipad and i always set the date at least in that mm. see my so problem I, is like the double bar day is so fuzzy for me yeah i mean <clears throat> I, I i tend to think about it as double bar creatively yeah like yeah the it has Parts it has done. <laughs> yeah i mean right like i i finished the uh saxophone piece for fredonia in april it's still not done yet yeah but creatively it's done yeah, yeah. it's that f- yeah i i'll indicate like the the date that usually appears at the end of all of my compositions is usually that creative date mm-hmm. yeah. this is when i i finished the piece that does not mean published formatting whatever right. that right. is that is this is when it all coalesced to be this idea yeah i'm not putting any new creative effort into this yeah um it's secretarial opposed, from here on y- yeah pretty much and even even when it comes to like uh, like revisions I, I i usually don't count that either it's like, yeah, that was all okay. part of the post piece mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I just feel so guilty about that post piece process most of the time that I'm just like, <laughs> wait, no. unpack right. that. Well, because it's usually way past the deadline. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, the piece is done on deadline, but it's not ready for you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, man. So, yeah. I do like the idea of, like, if I finish a piece in a cool place, I put the place that it was finished um, mm, creatively okay. and the date there so that, like, that looks correct. But that's not where I finish the notation because I'm not sitting at a bistro in Italy with my laptop. So <laughs> You could be. No, thanks. Okay. <laughs> they frown upon it. All right. <laughs> Culturally frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, those were my three questions. I love it. We're about an you, hour and eight minutes in. That's perfect. You met the assignment. You did. And I didn't use ChatGPT did, this time. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. We're so proud. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.